Our industry-leading two-panel saddle technology is more efficient and streamlined than ever before. Inspired by the desire to eliminate the choice between being compact or comfortable, the Method 2 saddle is ultra-compact for your hike in, but also enhances comfort in the tree. The Method 2 is designed to adapt to your personal hunting style from the moment you step out of the truck, minimizing bulk when you need to move and optimizing comfort during all-day sits. This saddle is built for hunters who like to move often and move fast, and it's for those who are passionate about exploring unfamiliar places. For more information, visit LatitudeOutdoors.com. The climbing stick has finally gone metal-free. Our goal for the Carbon SS climbing sticks was to make them as light as possible without sacrificing durability, and we wanted to make them stack flush so they're compact for saddle hunters and tree stand hunters. The new aerospace carbon fiber technology allowed us to achieve ultralight weight specs and removed all moving parts and hardware for improved durability. The sticks also feature our patent-pending metal-free attachment method that makes setup easier, faster, and quieter. The Carbon SS climbing sticks are made right here in the USA and come with a five-year manufacturer's warranty. For more information, visit LatitudeOutdoors.com. Welcome to the Life Outdoors podcast. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and motivate. We speak life into and through the outdoors. Now join your hosts, Nate Bailey and Gage Bailey, as we navigate through the mountains of this life. Hey guys, with everything that's going on in the world, I felt compelled to share this with you. Um, if not just maybe for my kids, so they could see this on, on uh, YouTube and whatever, but also for uh, the Life Outdoors, for our, our church outdoors session. But I thought this would be a good time to share a little bit of this guy, with you guys. Um, I, it's just one of those things, with the things that are happening in this world, I think talking about truth is something that we probably should really look at. I mean, there's been a lot of crazy things going on in this world. I just noticed today that people over at Parlor are talking about the Pope has been arrested and the people on Twitter are talking about, um, uh, talking about the president should be arrested. And so all these things that people are following and all this stuff that's going on, um, a lot of it has nothing to do with truth. And so it's a good time for us to actually reflect and, and, and probably pull ourselves back and pull our ideas back and start thinking about what's going on in this world and um, talking about truth. Um, one of the big reasons I want to do this is because I don't want people giving up on the truth. I don't want people thinking, well, there is no truth. Um, and, and that's a common human problem. Um, I saw it firsthand when I was in Russia. I could see it on people's face. They, they just didn't even know what to believe and they didn't care what to believe. And so when we start looking at this, this is a very huge problem in society and in America, we're, we're coming up against this and we really need to start thinking about it. So I'm going to present these thoughts to you and, and hopefully it will help you. This is part of uh, our mission at The Life Outdoors to edify you. So hopefully this will help you uh, grasp what's going on in, in our world and hope you get your mindset on where you want to stand and how you're going to stand. So let's take a look at this. If you turn in your Bibles to uh, John 18, John 18, and we're going to pick it up in verse 33. <coughs> to give you a little bit of a background of what's going on here is Jesus was brought before Pilate. And Jesus was brought before Pilate. Pilate was the governor, per se, of Jerusalem at the time. 
And um, the Jewish people brought him, brought Jesus before because Jesus was claiming to be God, Messiah in the flesh, or God in the flesh, the Messiah. And so he was brought before uh, Pilate, and they were trying to pressure Pilate into killing Jesus. And they did this through politics, and it was through a political pressure. So nothing's really changed in the <laughs> since, uh, well, since mankind's been on earth since the fall since the fall um nothing's really changed this idea of truth and lies and all the, all these things are all uh, part of the fallen human experience so when we read this understand that that um there 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 are people within all these systems that were um claiming truth but there's only one person that claimed to be the truth and uh, we're going to find that out right here. So we're going to take a look at this. Um, so John 18:33. John 18:33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting and uh, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. And Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness check this out to bear witness to the truth everyone who is of truth listens to my voice i'm going to read that again because that's the pivotal statement here that jesus makes everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice Pilate said to him what is the truth and quite honestly you guys i think that's where we're at in our culture right now is um so many people um, asking what is the truth and Pilate was caught between a rock and a hard place so what was going on here is one of the big things in Rome at the time was um, they, they Romans probably over anything else wanted order and, and that was the big reason that uh, Pilate was caught between a rock and a hard place here because he knew if, if he uh, crucified Jesus he, he knew Jesus was um, innocent you could see it in all of the stuff that he was talking about here. He's like, what, what's going on here? Why are these people after you? Why do they care? But so that was hitting his conscience. And then on the other side, he knew that if he, if he just told Jesus, eh, get out of here, it's no big deal. Um, that the, the, the Hebrew class at the time, at, uh, the religious people, the, the Sanhedrin, the one that were bringing him up and saying, hey, look, he's saying that he is God in the flesh. If, if you don't do something about this, um, we are going to revolt. And so to, in order to create order, um, he was stuck between a rock and a hard place. I, I, we see this constantly working out throughout humanity where people are caught between a rock and a hard place. They know that the right thing is the right thing, but they know if they stand for the right thing, like not crucifying Jesus, that there's going to be um, worse things happening. And I, I think we, we've seen that this past week. I think we've seen that um, consistently. Um, and 
one thing as Christians, we have to understand what's going on here. We got to understand that there's something behind all this. This is not just uh, a material thing that is happening within politics. It's there is actual spiritual things going on. And uh, there could be spiritual consequences on either side of these issues that people could actually do un very, very horrible spiritual things in the name of righteousness. They could, uh, or they could try to reduce righteousness to just a human experience and, and, and reduce the idea that there is a spiritual force in any of this. So please understand that this is um, probably unprecedented in American history for sure. When we start looking at what happened over this last week and what's going to happen yet, um, that these all have spiritual consequences and we have to start looking at what those spiritual consequences are, look beyond what's going on in the world physically and start understanding the spirit that is moving all that. So that's why we're going here. And that's why, quite honestly, that's why Pilate was like, what is the truth? In other words, he's saying, um, you know, all of these decrees and all this stuff that, that, the, that the emperor of Rome has put me under, um, is that true? Or is what Jesus is saying true? And uh, quite honestly, it's because he's looking, he's not looking spiritually at things. He's looking at just the circumstances. So let's, let's break this down just a little bit. We'll go through it, and then I'm going to offer you um, just a few few ways to uh, uh, to think about truth and to think about how to respond to uh, things in this age. So let's let's take a look at it. Um, so if you look at verse 33, Pilate he was inside his headquarters. Notice that he brought Jesus inside the headquarters, and he's not confronting. Um, um, He's not front of, uh, out in front of everybody. He's, he's brought Jesus in and talked to him alone. And the reason is because there's heavy implications here. There's heavy implications that if Jesus is claiming to be God, to be the Lord, to be um, the Savior of the world, if he's proclaiming to be a king, then that is treason within the Roman culture. Understand that. That is treasonous, and treason means that there's going to be a huge revolt. If he doesn't handle this correctly, and uh, say he's, he does let Jesus go, after Jesus has been made to be a king, then um, he'll be going against Caesar, and his head's on the line. Pilate's head's on the line here, and, um, and the Jews knew it. They put him there. They were like, Pilate, dude, you need to... Uh, do this because they knew that by Jesus saying that he was a king or, or his followers implying that he was a king, that um, it was treason against Rome. And it's politics, man. They're using, they're using this, even though the Jews didn't believe that themselves, even, knew, no, even though that they, the Jews believed that the Messiah is the king coming, they were using that against Jesus. And what what totally blows me away here is they were even lost. They were lost at the idea that Jesus was the actual king. They should have known it, but they were lost at it. It's it, it's crazy to to me to believe that somebody who is a follower of God could actually look at Jesus and look at the things that they knew about God and not understand the implications that Jesus was actually saying, "Hey, look, I am the Messiah," and um, and then just throw it off. It's funny how people get their own preconceived ideas of who God is and uh, look past it. it it's really funny. So um, 
Now, another thing that we see is this implication of what Jesus says. This implication of who Jesus says he is is always going to bring resistance. It's going to bring resistance, okay? So um, if you go into a place of staunch, um, uh, of staunch atheism or of staunch... Um, of people that do not want to hear about Jesus, and you start talking about Jesus being the king, that's going to bring a big problem. You know why? Because the simple fact that you say Jesus is king implies that he is the one who gets to say everything. He is the one who says whether we marry, um, between, whether marriage is between man and woman, he's the one that gets to say whether... Um, Life is what it is. He's the one that gets to say what our, if we're doing something wrong, if that's a sin or not, if that's against him. So by making him king, what you're saying is that Jesus is the one who controls it all. That actual governments have to do what he says. Okay, catch that. That, that government, governing bodies are actually something of his, so they are expected to live the way that he says to live or to govern the way that he says to govern. Catch that. Because if, if, if that's the case then, if that's the case, then um, Pilate, and this is the big tension here, Pilate would have had to do what Jesus says. And, and quite honestly, you guys, that is exactly the way it is. Pilate should have done what Jesus said because he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And that's where this big rub is. And Pilate, Pilate's starting to kind of catch that. He's like, uh, well, if, G if Jesus really is this king, and Jesus flat out told him, he says, I am a king. I'm, a king of, uh, I'm, I'm the king of not of this world. I'm outside of this world. But that doesn't mean that I'm not a king of you. And Pilate's catching that and he's like, he doesn't want, he, he doesn't want to move that direction because he knows what the implications are. The implications are, is it'll probably, he'll get killed over that. And quite honestly, guys, we will too. If you say that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the king of everything that happens, of correct thought, of all this stuff, you will, um, and, and in America, we, didn't, we, didn't, we haven't seen this for years, but there are places in this world right now, in China right now, if you make that proclamation, you will be seen as a treasonous terrorist against what their ideals are. And, and as we look, you can see that happening now. I mean, if you, if you talk, um, if, if you bring up things that Jesus has said in certain circles right now, they will delete you. They, they will get rid of what you're saying. They will um, kick you off of Twitter. Um, so that's, that's where we're at, you know, is this shutting up of, of Jesus being Lord. Or, or they will use it. Um, some people use what Jesus says, and they use it for their own good, and they don't mean anything to follow Jesus as a king. They just use his words to make themselves look kingly. And uh, so there's the other side of that thing. So what we, when we actually say Jesus is Lord, and we do, we say it all the time, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Um, all these things that we say, those have ramifications. Actually, the devil is going to hold us to those words. Uh, there's going to be a time when that may very well get you killed. And that's not a, that, that is, that is in the rest, in a lot of the rest of the world, that is something that is getting Christians killed left and right is by saying that Jesus is Lord. So there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure. Um, uh, this relational truth, uh, 
so this this truth that we think of as being something that we build in our own minds is not going to survive under this. Um, you, you can't say, so when somebody threatens you with your head being chopped off and, and you th- saying, well, you know, um, you report and I decide, making it to where you're the person who thinks up truth in your own head. See, that's what a lot of our society says is that we come up with our own truth. Well, that's not going to survive under this because then we're going to be like, well, my truth is that uh, Jesus isn't Lord so I can save my head. Well, see, you can't have that, uh, that truth like that. You can't have that to where that sets it up like that. You have to understand that uh, it either is Jesus is Lord or it's not. That's the only two answers you have. And if Jesus is Lord, then everything else falls underneath him. Everything. Every single thing falls underneath him. It says, every knee will bow. Even those that don't want to bow are going to bow. Okay, the second thing I'd like to point out is um, there's a product of this pressure that's being put on us. So Jesus, you know, when he, when he brought this before Pilate, um, he did it in a way to produce something out of Pilate. Uh, we don't know, there's, there's a lot of rumors, um, a lot of legend that Pilate became a Christian. I don't know, I, I, I don't even want to uh, go there, but at the same time, there, I guarantee you there was something produced inside Pilate's spirit that would, he was mingling within that spirit within his mind. He was going, is this true? Is what Jesus is saying true? Am I, have I been thinking wrong all this time? Is Caesar really the savior of the world? Because that's what Caesar, Caesar claimed. You understand that. Is Caesar really that? So when we look at this, you guys, we got to understand that, um, that Jesus was just hammering that thought inside his head. And so now all this pressure of the truth is now on top of Pilate. Maybe that's happening to you. Uh, maybe some of the pressure you're feeling right now and, and the reason that um, things are, are feeling really heavy is because there is pressure being applied to you. Jesus is saying, hey, look, do you believe that I am the king? Because that could go either direction, right? You, you could either be the king and and that that makes all these other people trying to usurp power and, and maybe it's the government's trying to tell you that they're the king, they're the saviors, they're the ones that are going to fix you, they're the ones that are, you know, um, they brought the vaccine that's going to cure COVID. Um, maybe that's, that's the pressure that you're feeling is you're like, is Jesus really the king? And let me tell you something. He really is the king. He said it right here. So either, either that's true or not. But he's using that pressure to build something inside of you. He's using that pressure to make you think about this stuff and, and to actually um, look at what you truly believe. Uh, because quite honestly, you believe something. So you really need to look at that. What do you truly believe? And, and he didn't let Pilate off. He, he's like, dude, you're gonna, you're, by the end of this day, you're going to make your stand. You're, you're going to draw a line in the sand and say what you really believe. Um, they, they did this to us in boot camp. When I went in the Coast Guard boot camp, that was the first thing they did to us is they made us, um, go into a room, gave us, made us have no sleep whatsoever for quite a while. And they told us that, um, we had to, uh, if we truly wanted to be there, if we truly believed that what we were doing there was, was, uh, what we believed in, then we would, we'd have to stick there and live through what they were going to put us through. 
and they gave us, uh, they would wake us up like every half an hour and say, do you really want to be here? Do you really want to be here? And that was the first day of boot camp. And uh, that pressure created inside of us. Um, so the people that didn't want to be there, they were gone. They would get out of there. The people that really thought that they were supposed to be there um, created, it solidified the idea that they should be there. And that's what Jesus is doing. And I, quite honestly, quite honestly, that's probably what he's doing on the whole earth. Well, that's actually what he's done on the whole earth since uh, he came to the earth. So he, he Jesus, Jesus is peace. He is. He's all that. But he does not want to create a peace inside your mind where you're thinking the wrong way. If you're thinking the wrong way, he does not want that to be peaceful for you. And he never allowed it. He never allowed it in anybody's mind. Matter of fact, when Peter was thinking wrong thoughts, Jesus called him Satan, which was not peaceful in Peter's mind. I guarantee you, Peter was like, what? You mean to tell me after I've fallen you all this time, you're going to say that I'm Satan? And, and we do the same thing, man. We'll sit here and, and we'll, we'll think we've gone to church for 10 years, done the same thing, even taught Bible studies. And then something comes along and Jesus says, hey, get behind me, Satan. And you're like, look what I did for you. The fact of the matter is, um, that's a very, very, very wrong way of thinking. Because quite honestly, if, if, we think, if we're thinking that way, then we're not worshiping Jesus. We're worshiping ourselves. And so he presses that pressure. He, 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 he's like, look, if you're worshiping yourself, if, if, if you are worship, or maybe you're worshiping your church, or maybe you're, you know, the building and the people that you're around, maybe you're worshiping a pastor, maybe you're worshiping um, the things outside of what, uh, outside of him, he's going to create pressure that's going to push you to the, and I tell you what, that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. If he's creating pressure, then you need to turn back and you need to look and see who you are actually worshiping or what you're worshiping. You can still worship good things and they're not, um, they're not worshiping Christ. You could worship some very good things and still be heretical. You could still be a heretic by worshiping good things because they're not worshiping Christ, not worshiping the thing that deserves all worship. All right. So, um, the second thing I want to point out, and, and this is in verse 34, uh, Jesus sees material pressure differently than we do. He sees it as a tool. He sees this pressure and, and hard things as something that brings forth spiritual growth. And that's what, he's, that's what he, he places um, Pilate under this extreme pressure, right? I mean, Pilate's head's on the line both directions, both directions. Because if Pilate says, hey, look, oh, I believe that you are the king. I'm going to release you. Now he's under problems from um, now he's under problems from the government. Basically, he, he's he's actually become a treasonous person who's turned his back on the government. But if he says, "Okay, um, I'm going to kill you," or or uh, then he's starting to look at uh, being treasonous towards God. So he's he's having these issues within him, and this pressure is building. It may. It, Jesus doesn't allow you to stand on a fence. You, you're going to have to put up, you're going to have to take a look and see what uh, you actually believe. He's not going to allow that. Jesus is never going to allow that. So he does this. He does this. And uh, Jesus says, verse 36, he says, my kingdom. And, and the minute that Jesus says, my kingdom, um, 
it implies that he is the king, and that is a treasonous statement in front of uh, Caesar. And and Pilate knows that he's going to have to kill him there. Either that or um, he's going to be treasonous along with Jesus. And, and then he says, um, I'm not of this world. So he's implying that this world, the stuff that's going on right now, is secondary to what's really going on. That's a huge thing because really what's going on right now is secondary to what's really going on. Understand that. Um, it's pretty pretty poignant when we t- start talking about this that um, even when we see all the stuff that we're worried about right now, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I worry about it too, but it is secondary to the spiritual battle that is going on. If we start putting our alliances behind the things of this world, and I don't care what end of that you're on, if we start putting our alliances behind that, we stand up for right because of a person we think is right, rather than we stand up for right because Jesus is righteousness. If we start putting our faith into that, one way or another, you're going to lose hope. But if you start understanding that he is not of this world, that there is something beyond this, that is where hope exists. If Jesus is king of kings, and he is, the rest of this is just... Um, uh, it's going to hurt, of course, but the rest of it is secondary to what's really going on. And what's really going on is he wants to bring you into his kingdom and make you a subject into the perfect king. And that's what he really wants to do. Um, another thing i like to point out, verse 37. This is a transcendent truth. Um, it's based on a person. Jesus claims that he is the truth. He's the king. And so understand that, that um, when he says this, he says, I am the truth. That's why he uses all the I am statements as he's saying, what is reality is in me. I am the reality. Um, it's not that I'm bringing you the reality. It's not that I'm showing you reality. It's not that I'm, I'm writing books on reality. He's saying, you look at me, you see what's real. That's what he's saying. Nobody, by the way, nobody else on earth has ever said that. Um, only Jesus. And, and nobody else on earth has actually proved it by coming out of the grave. Um, you can look at the historicity of that. You can look at all of the, um, you can look at all of the sworn testimonies of that, um, if if you're willing to look at them. Uh, in today's age, people just don't even look at that. But if you're willing, if you want the truth, if you're actually after the truth, you have to take this into account because um, what's being said here is revolutionary. I mean, this is where hope lies. This is the only place hope lies. Is the fact that a human came out of the grave, and he's bringing us with him through that. Um, that has huge implications, both physically and spiritually. And quite honestly, um, that's the only hope there is. That's the only hope there is. I mean, if, if all there is is the grave, then why are we even going through all this? You know, um, if all we are is, is worm dirt, then why are we dealing with all the hurt and the pain that's going on? Um, you can't tell me it's because, well, there's some good stuff too. That, do- that doesn't fly. That doesn't fly, and it doesn't fly within your own psyche. You're, you, you, you're sitting there thinking, um, you might be sitting there thinking, um, yeah, well, there's a lot of good stuff that I want to experience too. Well, let me tell you, um, the only reason you think that is because you've lived in America for the last so many years. But quite honestly, this world is a vicious place, and, it, and, and I guarantee you, you're going to see that. So the only hope that we have is beyond the grave. The only hope that we have is beyond this world. That's the only hope. 
That's the only hope. And and it's not it's not like um, a reincarnated hope. It's not. It's it's actually being through the grave and brought out of our own sin. That's that's the only hope we have. Is if if this wor this world is ruled by sin. I mean, if if you don't believe it, if you don't believe it, just study human history. Um, you know, dogs don't have any. The dogs in this world don't have any say in whether or not they die from a nuclear bomb. We're the ones that rule this world. So, um, and our sin rules it at the moment. So, I, I don't want to say our sin rules the world, but it, it's having its play in this world right now. Um, there will be a day when all that is shattered, when, when there is no more sin. And the only hope is that we come into the grave, through the grave, and come out. And the only hope in that is, is that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the king. And um, he's proven it. He's proven it. So, verse 38. I, I, I want to point out here, in verse 38, I want to point out that um, Jesus, when he, when he spoke, when he spoke, this is the understatement of the history of mankind. Um, he, he said, look, you have to take this you got to understand what I just said here, that I am, I am the truth. I am the king. I am the way. I am the life. And when, when he says this, and that's what, exactly what he said to, uh, to Pontius Pilate. He said, hey, look, I am everything that you're t asking me that I am. And he says, and he asked Pilate, he says, Do you, did you come with that on your own accord? Did you think this through on your own? And um, he's really pushing it. He's, he's really pushing at Pilate right now. He's really pushing at him. And he's saying, you've got to come to a consensus on what you really think. Because it has huge consequences. Um, the destiny of the whole world actually hinges on this question. Who is Jesus? It really hinges on that. Is he the king of the world? of the universe, of the cosmos, of everything, the spiritual and the unspiritual, or not unspiritual, the spiritual and the material. Is he the king of the, of the spiritual and the material? Because if he is, then there, there are certain consequences that come with that, right? There, there, you have to go along with it. You have to be a subject underneath it. And I don't care who you are. You could be communist China. You still... If he's the king of king, communist China still has to worship him. Understand that. Um, I, I'm saying that they have to, he expects that of them. I'm not saying that they do. I'm saying that he expects that of them. Because just by being the king, that's what it says. Just by being the king, that's what it implies. It implies that you have to worship me. And, and. You guys, we, we have to too. I mean, living here in America, have we used Jesus in a way that we don't make him king? Do we just make him savior? Um, I don't want to say just make him savior, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that look at Jesus and they go, he's my savior. Um, they'll say Lord and savior, but they don't mean Lord. They mean that he's my get out of jail free card. And the fact of the matter is, is he is your Lord and savior. And so he's your Lord because he is everything that is. He's reality personified in a human being. And 
then that same, so he's Savior because then he knew that we could not save ourselves and he came on this earth as Lord, as, as the ultimate of everything, came on this earth, soaked up all of the sin that we, we committed by saying that he is not Lord, that we're Lord. He, he took all of that on himself, paid for it in full payment with his blood, died in our stead, and then rose again. And, and then he invited us into that with him. So he's bringing us through the grave and rising again. And by us confessing that he's Lord, what happens is then he imparts his spirit onto our spirit. And his spirit speaks to our spirit and changes us from the inside out. And eventually, and eventually on this other side of, on the other side of uh, eternity, he's gonna, he's, we will be perfect subjects to the Lord, to the king. Right now we're just practicing. Um, so we blow it, you know, everybody that's practicing blows it. Even doctors that are practicing blow it. So, um, understand what is being said here. This is the pivotal moment in time. It, it, it's the understatement of all mankind. You either say he is Lord or he is not Lord. There is no in between. There's nobody else that's Lord, by the way, either. Um, he says, I am the King of Kings, Lord of the Lords. Um, all knees are going to bow before me. Um, so, a couple things I'm going to leave you with. Uh, I, I, as we look at this past week and we look at the events of this world, and quite honestly, as Americans, you know, um, we haven't looked at a lot of this stuff uh, in the proper pretense. And, and a lot of times, me included, I look at it and I go, that's not never going to happen in America. And right now, there's things happening in America that I never thought would happen in America. And, and, and I'm not talking, I'm talking on both sides of the political structure. Um, but there's a lot of people claiming lordship. Um, there's governments claiming lordship over you. And, the, and then there's people claiming individual lordship over themselves. And, and so what, com what it comes down to is actually these two things. And I'll tell you what the, what the two things are. Um, and basically, it's either Jesus is the king or not. And then if he is the king, there's some implications to that. So either he is king or not. If he isn't who he is, then who gets to make up the rules? you got to ask yourself this. Um, all the people that are on TV, on Twitter, on Parler, on whatever, YouTube, um, if they're claiming righteousness, if they're claiming this is what's going on, this is right, this is right, um, we need to impeach the president, um, we need to overthrow the government, we need, if, if they're claiming that, then... Why are they claiming it against? See, you got to ask yourself that. When you see this stuff going on, you got to you got to see where these claims are going. Uh, is it because of their own individual freedoms? Is it or their own individual um, ideas? Is it because of what they think um, is driving the world? Are, are they thinking that humans joined together is the best idea of what reality is? Um, you got to ask yourself these things. You got to ask. Who gets to make the rules? Who gets to make the rules? Because if, if there is no, if, if God, if Jesus isn't the king, if he, is, if he was just a man that died and was buried in the grave, and just a bunch of followers thought that he was, uh, rose, the, the evidence doesn't show that. The evidence shows quite opposite the other. But if that's what he was, then you would have no stance to make any right, righteous claims. All it would be is, I claim this, I claim this, and whoever's stronger, their claim's going to win. But that's not the truth. 
that's not the truth at all. The truth is that Jesus is the ultimate and he gets to say what's right and wrong. So you weigh everything against Jesus. Weigh everything against Jesus. Um, and, and some of it we're, we'll never probably understand the truth until we spiritually get in front of Jesus and we look at the things that are going on around us and we go, oh, okay. That's kind of like hindsight. Hindsight's a very spiritual thing because we could look backwards and we could go, in the moment you didn't have a clue, but now you do. So, um, if, if, and, and here's the deal. If Jesus isn't the one making the rules, then what's the, what's, why should we even argue him in the first place? Who's to say what's right to argue? You see where this goes? It just blows up this whole idea of what's right and what's wrong. If, 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 see, here's the deal. This is why you see a lot of America, you see people trying to politically move people to think a certain way, is because they, they're placing their ideas on what mob rule says, democracy, what mob, mob rule says as being the truth. And I'm talking unhampered democracy. I'm talking democracy without having an overset of rules that say this is how we should be. We should be working within this set of, of, of ideas. And see, that's why um, you have to understand this, that there has to be something behind all those rules to make them right. And, uh, or there has to be something to say. You know, if, if a mob of people say we should kill all of our unborn babies and we should have the choice to do that, um, if you don't believe that Jesus says that's not the truth, then you'll run with it. You'll run with that as being the truth. And, and we can't do that. We can't do that. There's, there's got to be somebody saying this is either true or it's not. And uh, so either Jesus is the king or he's not. Um, if he's not the king, what's the purpose of even living? If, if he's, if, just think about this. If he's not the one sitting and, saying, and defining what life is, then what is there any purpose in fighting over what life is? <laughs> Does that make any sense? I, I, it works in my mind, but that doesn't mean it's going to work in everybody's mind. So if Jesus is um, the definer of life, then, then we have a purpose of doing what he has defined. If he's not, then there is no purpose in any definition of life. Hope that makes sense. Um, you guys can leave some questions below if that doesn't make sense. Um, now the second thing. If Jesus is king, he is the one who defines life. So he's, he's the one who gets to say, this is the way reality is. And I'm telling you right now, he is. Um, he claims it. He claims it throughout. He told Pilate, yes, I am king. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom supersedes this world. This world should fall underneath my kingdom. But it's not. Um, he allows some of that. And I don't know the ins and outs of why that is, but he does. And he says... Um, I am the one who defines life, which you guys is absolutely good news. <laughs> That's the best news you could hear today is the fact, because quite honestly, then you can look past everything that's going on around you right now and understand that none of this stuff, none of it is um, where you have to place your allegiance. Because quite honestly, if you had to place your allegiance on the stuff that's going on right now, uh, there's really no place to place your allegiance. The only place you can place your allegiance to is Christ himself. His yoke is light. His yoke is light. Um, he provides freedom within the mind, and that's more than anything that you could ever have. 
I, I do believe that a lot of what our founding fathers created as a free place to think came from this idea. But at the same time, um, that's been so skewed over the years that people are using that to advance their own agendas in a lot of ways. So, um, coming back to it, he is the one. And, and, and that's the only place you can really rest. You can only really rest there. You can't, you, it, you can't rest any, anywhere outside of that. You can't rest in Buddha. Buddha's like, uh, I'll, t I'll show you the way, but, uh, you know, I didn't come back out of the grave. I can't prove that that was the way. Um, Muhammad, Muhammad said, hey, look, the way is this, and then... Um, and, and then you're going to get all these self-gratifying things, and you know that that's not something that you really want. Um, so, it is good news. Um, so, if he's the one who defines life, it's super good news. Because he provides freedom. He's like, he, he gives you um, something to look at, and he provides the hope that lies within you. Um, and the second thing is, if Jesus is the king, he ends all the arguments. He ends all the arguments. It all stops at him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and I am the way that all of this happens. I am the way. So if you want to live a right life, you look at my life, and that's how, what you do. Um, and then at the very end, um, if Jesus is the king, that provides purpose because now you have marching orders. Now you have something that you're supposed to do. Um, and you guys, this is all good news, but the one thing that you have to ask yourself right now, maybe you've not taken Jesus serious. One thing you have to ask yourself, is this true? Is what I just proclaimed truth? Um, maybe inside of you right now, there is a war, uh, a civil war going on inside your mind, whether or not it's true or not. Um, well, I, I say lean into that because quite honestly, you have a spirit within you. And that spirit is actually the one arguing with what you think. So um, have you guys, and I'm trying to point this out because I want to move it from just this material idea of what Christianity is. We've, we've made too much out of the material idea of this Christianity thing. We need to start understanding that Jesus affects us in our spirit. So then his spirit will take over our spirit and tell us how to think correctly and call us out when we're not thinking correctly. And right now, if you're having those arguments inside your head, that's what's happening. Is he is saying, hey, look, you are a sinner. You're thinking sinful ways. And you need to turn from that. You need to repent from those sinful thoughts. Because those sinful thoughts actually have killed you. You're already dead. You're dead in your trespasses, it says. He says, but here's the thing. You give your spirit to me. And I will take all of those trespasses and I will place them on me. And I already paid for it. It's all been paid for. It's already been taken care of. And then I will impart my spirit inside of you. And I will change that dead spirit inside of you. It's like a seed, right? It's not like all of a sudden it's a huge tree. It's this seed. He puts, plants this little seed in you and it starts growing and growing and growing. Someday it's going to be a big tree. On the other side of eternity, it's going to be a huge tree. And, he's, and he, he brings that into you, and you're gonna and you're gonna start growing and looking more and more and more like your uh, created image of Christ on this earth. And you guys, that's truly what this is all about. When you see everything that's going on around you, and when he starts applying this pressure, and, and there's immense pressure, I, I'm it's I'm, I'm it's gonna grow. There's gonna be more pressure. The Bible tells us that the tribulation is gonna be like nothing we've ever seen. 
and it's this this pressure is going to grow and it's going to push you and and you're either going to have to accept what Jesus is saying just like Pilate or not so um I pray that you listen to these words and I pray that you give in to that pressure because once you give in, once you say, yeah, you are Lord, guess what that does? That pulls you out of this world. That puts you into his realm. Even though you're still living and it's, even though the chaos is still around you, even though all that, there is peace in your mind because you know that this isn't all there is. The crud that you see going on is not all there is. Uh, we live in such a better place than that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do ask that these guys watching this video uh, take your word seriously. And uh, Lord, I pray that I do. Uh, quite honestly, there's a lot of places I don't take your word serious. And Lord, I, I pray that you tear away at our hardened hearts and you move us to be more and more like you. And Lord, we do ask that this pressure is a time of um, offering to you, that we actually bring this before you and we use this pressure to understand who you are. And please, Lord, give us the peace that passes understanding, the peace that passes this world. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Thanks for Amen. listening to the Life Outdoors podcast. Join the Life Nation by spreading this podcast or by going over to our YouTube channel, giving us a subscribe, or even by following us on Instagram. All these things help spread the life. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Keep living. wild country rules were not created by man in wild country the challenge of what's outside brings you closer to what's inside don't miss wild country wednesdays at 8 p.m eastern presented by expedition enterprises it's gonna get a little hairy waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment